Welcome to the Leadership Void Podcast. Enrique and Vince here, and we're all about helping you develop and fill the areas of void in your leadership. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Leadership Void Podcast. I'm Enrique and Vince, my co-hosts, and today we, we continue on our national tour. We're back up north with two great ladies doing great things, and Vince will announce. Oh, absolutely. Happy July, everyone. I am here with the dynamic duo of Kim and Sarah. I know both of them personally from the Washington DMV area and Baltimore area. They are the co-founders of Badges United Foundation. So we are excited to have them. Humble to see both of you. We're displaying the red, white, and blue right before the fourth. But first, let's just start off and tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so I'm Kim. Uh, I co-founded Badges United Foundation with Sarah. Um, I was a prior military police officer. I served in the Army for about 10 years and then uh, had to medically discharge because of PTSD and some TBIs um, and just wanted to find some meaning after service. So went to Dog Tag Bakery and that's where me and Vince linked up. He was my mentor off there. He uh, set the bar very high for mentorship, so appreciate it. Um, but really found that I didn't just want to serve veterans. I wanted to help uh, the first responder population because there wasn't much out there. And we'll dive deeper into what's going on there more, but I uh, just found a need there and that I could connect them because I was a prior police officer and been doing that ever since. And then got my MBA from Cornell, of course, after Dog Tag Bakery because Georgetown just wasn't enough and it sparked an energy in me. And I was just like, hey, I can't just do business administration. I want to do the whole thing. So I'm so grateful for Dog Tag for sparking that in me and just wanting to continue my education there. Yeah, and um, I'm, my name is Sarah and um, I was a former police officer uh, down in Florida for a couple of years. And um, then I moved into doing about 10 years in the army as military police. Um, so we both have that in common of, of military police. And um, that's kind of our, our passion of, uh, you know, um, serving first responder community. Um, and unfortunately, you know, 10 years in uh, the same kind of story, uh, you know, I, I was suffering with PTSD and unfortunately had to medically retire. Uh, but shortly after I uh, got out, I immediately did the same thing that Kim did and I went to Dog Tag Bakery. And for me, that was absolutely an amazing opportunity for me to really like take a knee and figure out what do I want to do next. And that is really where I found out you know, I have this passion for mental health that I developed as I went through my own treatment and healing process and discovered that that's really where I want to head in the next direction. Um, and, you know, along with having Badges United Foundation, um, I really wanted to be in um, sort of this personal role of becoming a mental health professional. And so shortly after dog tag, um, I went in, I ended in 2019. And so in the beginning of 2020, I started uh, my clinical uh, social work degree in, at the University of Maryland. And that's currently what I am working on. What a wonderful backdrop and, and story there. I'm so proud of both of you for what you've done post-service. And uh, it's, it's hard for a lot of people to find their way and navigate through those uh, uncharted waters that we face when we come out but you both done a great job. And so congratulations on that. Now you mentioned 
uh, Badges United Foundation. And I, I know our listeners want to know more about that. So tell us a little more about that. Sure. Uh, I mean, Badges United Foundation's mission is to improve the mental health and well-being of first responders and their families. Um, and our goal really is to, um, you know, end this ep epidemic of first responder suicides um, and really create an environment of, um, you know, seeking mental health as a strength. Um, and so in doing that, we, uh, you know, as a nonprofit, we provide funding for mental health treatment, um, what insurance deductibles don't cover um, when uh, a first responder is in mental health crisis and needs to get to um, a residential or inpatient facility. Um, what we were finding was that they were being held back from going to treatment because they do have extremely costly um, health insurance deductibles. So we created a fund to help that. Um, and we also do recreational learning events um, where we teach holistic wellness. And finally, we also speak at different police and fire departments, sharing our story, sharing us as a resource and others as a resource, you know, and various conferences and workshops and anyone who will really listen. <laughs> Um, we also, we serve um, current, former, and retired first responders, and that definition for us is um, any kind of law enforcement, any kind of firefighters, EMS, 911 dispatchers, and we have a whole list of everything that falls under that on our website. Well, thank you for that, and given that overview of Badges United Foundation, definitely a need. Um, and looking forward to seeing bigger things in the future. But how is Badges United holding up, especially what happened in last year's pandemic? Absolutely. Um, I mean, we definitely had to, you know, work around COVID and adapt to that. And, you know, one of the things I mentioned was that we first centered around doing these recreational learning events. Um, and so that was events, you know, bringing people in person and, you know, we were in 2019, um, you know, figuring out, hey, what's the next step? And that as we were learning the population and figuring out what is this pain point, um, which was what I was saying was the, the health insurance deductibles. Um, so we really started to do a lot of fundraising around that because we wanted to create this, what we call as a treatment support fund. And, and that's really that scholarship that we give. And so we started doing a lot of, you know, fundraising for that. Thankfully, we had a very successful fundraiser end of 2019, and that was able to fund us through 2020 um, when we had to obviously stop our in-person events, unfortunately, and we really focus on that treatment support fund. And, you know, that, that has just continued to just snowball, you know, end of 2021, um, applications are coming in all of the time. And, you know, we definitely want to, in 2022, get back to doing more in-person, you know, uh, recreational learning events um, and really kind of stay back true to what we also want to make sure we kind of have this, you know, speaking part, recreational part, and then also this financial piece. And I think it's important to understand like what happened with our first responders during COVID. So like they responded to this and every day they're going home, they have this invisible war going on within their house. Cause like a lot of them have some type of significant other, maybe some kids. And so they're bringing all that home on top of their daily stress. And so it's just, 
all this stress is happening. And if you have prior mental health conditions, which majority of high stress jobs, our doctors, our lawyers, everyone, they're suffering with some type of um, just unnormal, abnormal amount of anxiety and stress. And so that leads to mental health conditions. And so when you already have a pre-existing condition like that, even if it is undiagnosed, when you have something like COVID, it's going to exasperate it. And so we're really seeing as COVID starting to draw down, the need for our first responders to seek mental health treatment is going up so much. And that's why we help families too. Uh, we haven't been able to um, financially support them yet, but with our events coming in person, we really reach out to the families and try to teach those components of wellness and just get to them as well because the stress is at home. It's not just with the first responder. Yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. That is one of the, the areas that we seldom or we actually, we always miss. <laughs> we always miss the family component because we're so directed in our missions towards the actual a person taking action. But the support mechanism is the family and we miss them all the time. And so thank you for including that in your mission and in your actions, because I know uh, that we, the persons that actually do the job, we, we can't do it without that support system. And they're so vital to us being able to complete our mission on a day-to-day -day basis. And so thank you. Now, uh, it looks like you positioned yourself well enough to get this, you know, to propel you through the, the whole COVID, uh, you know, scenario. And now we get to the future. So tell us a little bit about what's on the horizon uh, for Badges United Foundation. So right now we're really focusing on treatment support fund because we anticipate for the next at least year, um, mental health is gonna be a priority for our first responders. Now that they can like, I know the military called to take a knee. Now that that stress isn't at a 10, it's only at an eight, um, they can really focus and you're gonna see a lot of them needing mental health support. Um, and for those that have family members of first responders, just reach out to them, just be like, hey, if you ever need anything, you can talk to me because you're really gonna see their stress. They're gonna to try to hold it together. They have their uniform on, they're the, they're the superheroes of our communities, but that stress is unreal. And if you just check in with your first responders when they do need treatment, they're, they're more likely as we plant those seeds of like, it's okay to get mental health support. And you can go back to work a lot of the times. We, see, we help so many first responders that get treatment, even inpatient treatment, and then they go back to work, which is phenomenal because you just don't see that in the military that often. Um, and a lot of the times these are community members. They, lit, they grew up in the town, they served in the town, and then they want to retire in the town. So they want to be a lifelong first responder. And they are able to do that with treatment. And uh, even if treatment takes them on a different career path, they decide with their therapist, hey, um, they just need to know there's a future outside of uniform as well. Um, but yeah, we're really focusing on treatment support fund. And then in 2022, we want to get back to events, just bringing people out in nature, get some sunlight, just relax. Um, and at our events, we always teach some type of component of wellness. So exercise, nutrition, sleep. We go on like a two mile walk and then we stop about every 20 minutes and we just have a discussion like, hey, how's your sleep going? What do you do before bed? And we just have a real discussion about like, hey, let's talk about sleep hygiene. Maybe you can try this. And it's not just like a lecture of like, hey, this is my PowerPoint presentation. We never bring PowerPoint out to the walk or anything. We just go go out in nature, have a real discussion about health and wellness, 
and say, hey, we've been in treatment for a very long time. We've been studying it um, and we've gotten certifications with it. And we just want to share some knowledge so you can live a little bit healthier life and manage that stress. And like when we go into departments, you know, not only do we share sort of our own stories of, um, you know, being both of us with law enforcement backgrounds and talking about how, you know, we suffer with PTSD and all of the different levels of treatments that we've both gone through. A lot of the times when we talk to these departments, you know, you always hear, hey, go get help, right? Go get, go get treatment. Um, but they always want to know what does that look like? And so that's really where we kind of are seeing a lot of the questions and we share a lot of detail. This is, you know, what you can expect if you go to treatment. Um, you know, these are the different options and what do they mean? Um, because I think a lot of first responders are asking, what does it mean to go to therapy? Do you just sit in a, a chair and talk about your problems with a stranger? Um, and while that, you know, you can do that, um, you know, kind of a talk therapy thing. We also go through the different types of, you know, um, psychotherapy specifically for trauma. And a lot of them, you know, have no idea that that's even out there or what it was like to go through that. So we really kind of bring that personal piece to it. And I think we've seen a lot of first responders feel a little bit more at ease of not just sort of knowing this unknown, especially if they're going to like a residential or inpatient, we always let them know, hey, this is literally what, you know, you can expect um, for a, a basis, you know, and so that's helpful. No, absolutely. I hear you speak a lot about this holistic uh, approach, which is very phenomenal because the awareness piece is huge and knocking down those barriers of folks thinking of having to go to a therapist. You all are doing great things, not only for the vendor, for the first responders, but their families. And I hope to see you all all over the nation and all over the globe in the near future. Like put it out there in five years, you're going to be international. I'm going to put it out there. But let's uh, let's transition real quick and talk a little bit about leadership, hence the leadership void. Um, for you, uh, what professional development areas do you focus on to improve your capabilities as a leader? Uh, so this was an interesting thing to really think on because I went to West Point Premier Leadership Institute in the world. And you think like, oh man, that, that should be the pinnacle of all the leadership you know. And it's like, uh, well, actually that's just the start. It gives you a great baseline, but um, you leadership is a forever, like depending on your situation and your life and like what situations, uh, like I still have to develop myself, especially taking the uniform off. Um, you gotta switch your leadership style very drastically because a civilian, like it, they don't learn by push-ups, So it's just not gonna work. And if I go into a department and I have this like really rigid, like captain approach to it, it's just not gonna translate. Um, so I've done a mixture of formal and informal. So uh, just incessantly read uh, always, I mean, with DMV, the blessing is traffic. So we get to be on the road a lot. So audible is like my favorite thing. So do a lot of reading about leadership. And then there's some formal that I do uh, with, Cornell, they had an entire like leadership block because it was an executive MBA. Um, and so we got to just be taught by phenomenal leadership professors that really gave us an insight because I graduated West Point in 2008, just seeing the development of leadership over the last 13 years and just being like, oh, wow, it's really evolved. Um, and it's just crazy just back at West Point with the philosophies, they were very militaristic and like just focusing on Afghanistan and Iraq, rightfully so, like we need to fight and win America's wars, but trying to translate that to the business space, 
Cornell gave me that space to really think like as a business leader, how am I going to approach it? Yeah, no, and and you're right. Uh, leadership has evolved in many ways, even on the civilian side, right? So uh, there's been a lot of learning that has been had, uh, and we continue. I love that you say a lifelong, right? This is a lifelong learning type of environment when you're talking about leadership. Um, and undoubtedly, through your careers uh, and your paths, you've learned some things from other leaders uh, either from the instructional side or just the life side. So what can you tell an emerging leader, somebody that's just coming along now, you know, first year in West Point or first year at their college uh, that you learned that you could tell them to help them along? Um, so the best leadership advice I was given uh, at West Point was take care of your subordinates. Um, but I really got to evolve that to more personable and like what fits for me and my personality and my passion. Because at Cornell, like the leadership, uh, the executive leadership course, um, the specific class, the professor just kept hounding like, what's the smallest thing you can do to make someone's day? And, I, and that's really the essence of leadership for me and my situation. Not saying it works for um, big organization where there's a chief of police or whatever, but it's about that hey, can I just hold a door? Or can I sit and talk to someone for 20 minutes? And what's the smallest thing you can do to make that person just have a little better day or just really show like, hey, I see you, I'm here for you and you matter to me. And so that was the best leadership advice I've been given is just what's the smallest thing you can do to make someone's day. And for me, you know, going back to that previous question, um, it has been an evolving uh, situation for me as as time has gone on what type of leader have I you know leadership role have I fallen into um, and you know as I was serving in the military you know my number one focus was you know my troops and subordinates and taking care of them you know beans booze bullets all of that and I wound up finding out that I was incredibly focused on others so much so to the point where it was unhealthy for me because I was not a leader to myself. And so, um, you know, as I was getting out and starting to find out what is life outside of the uniform, I really found out and I have continued to stay this way um, of, of really focusing in on being a leader of myself. And, you know, that for me was such a journey, continues to be a journey. It's not something that comes natural to me. And it that is one of the hardest leadership things that I've had to do was really that self-leadership. I think it's a lot easier in my experience to just focus on others and take care of others. But for me, it's been, I've got to take care of myself as much as I can before others. I know it's the cliche saying of like, you have to put on your own air mask before others. I felt like I had to learn that lesson the hard way. Unfortunately, I ran myself into the ground, taking care of others, my mental health, absolutely suffered. And so, you know, I made this commitment to myself of, um, I'm not going to let that happen again. And I'm really going to make my own mental health a priority. And so for me, that's really just been, I need to take leadership and turn that inward. You know, how can I consistently take care of myself? How can I push myself? And, you know, that's really been a lot of 
literally just how can I sleep right, eat right, exercise, reach out for social support, have all of these, you know, coping, uh, healthy coping mechanisms. And, and that's really has been something that is, it sounds like it could be very selfish, but it hasn't been for me. And I've seen it started to pay off because once I feel centered in myself, then I'm starting to see, I actually can start to come back out and figure out what type of leader do I want to be towards others. You know, that, those are great pearls of wisdoms you both shared. One, the leader within, you know, inward leadership, because that's what you're doing for first responders too, because they're out there helping so many folks. And now you're really putting the focus on them to be the leader within. And then I, I, I'll summarize what Kim said, kind of like the small acts of kindness, right? Uh, so you can be heard, they can be heard, listened to. So great tips for emerging leaders, folks. I hope you listen to those. So let's talk a little bit about how do you both handle uh, stressful or challenging st situations you face or currently facing? Yeah. Uh, so I want to speak on behalf of um, what we do with our board. So we're very, um, very, very specific of what type of board members we want because we want board members that are going to challenge us. We don't want yes men and women or uh, gender non-conforming people. We want people that will challenge us and whoever they are, we want them to be able to speak openly. So say we have something like uh, someone submits a, uh, a request for funds and then we have like two yeses and one no. Uh, we really lean into that no because of the value we have of that person on our team. And we're like, we're not gonna be a democracy here. We're gonna lean into that no, take a step back and really question what aren't we hitting here? Because this person has their experience or have their reason to be the dissenting view and we value your dissenting view. So we lean into that, we take a step back, we have a discussion. And that's what um, we always try to do is we take the emotion out. It's, I, I can't be so connected to a decision and everything. And if I am, I need to go for a walk and I need to just take that emotion out of it and just be like, hey, what's going on with you that you wanna say no to this? Or like, what can we do to get to a yes? Because that's probably gonna be a better decision than what we're currently going with. And so um, right now that's our um, philosophy of like, we're not a democracy here. We're very much like every team member we bring onto our nonprofit and that's why it's extremely small is we want it to be someone that challenges us, someone we value and we want them to put the time and effort into challenging us, having those discussions so we can best help the first responders and families. Yeah, it's about quality, not quantity for us and in, in, in our nonprofit. Um, I mean, for me personally, it's, it's you know, evolved over time. Um, when I had any kind of challenges as I was a leader in the military, um, for me, I, I really kept it all in, um, inside. How can I handle this really internally? Um, I, I really did not wanna have to really ask for help. Um, and I saw that that really wasn't working for me. And so it's evolved over time. And I've now found out when I do face challenges, um, for me, I, I have to reach out. I have to reach out to this support system that I've built, um, you know, and express it in somehow, some way, um, you know, whether that's, you know, writing or drawing or something expressive to get the frustrations out um, and, and make sure that it's in a healthy way. Um, before it used to be, you know, in, in really bad coping uh, methods, but now I've really focused on how can I really make sure that I am good with myself in this situation 
and can make the best decision at the most level head. And it's okay to reach out to others and ask what is their opinion? What is their experience? You don't have to take this all on yourself. Those are definitely great strategies when you're facing challenges. I tell you folks, if you're listening, uh, write these down because they're gold. Now we all have faced not only challenges, but periods of change. And, and undoubtedly the, the whole of a nation and the whole of a world has experienced change in ways they never calculated in the last year and a half. Uh, but what kind of strategies do you implement uh, to uh, address times of change in, in your life? Communication, absolutely. I mean, that's the number one thing. Even if you yourself as the leader, as the CEO um, of yourself or a nonprofit or a company, um, literally just even saying these are uncertain times you know we are not sure what's happening but we are working on it and we really want this to be open communication please um i have had experiences you know lately um where some other you know institutions that i'm dealing with have not necessarily had any communication and i think that that absolutely just adds to the stress of this unknown change but if you have a leader that says, look, we don't know what's going on. I am going to be transparent. I understand that this is something we have never seen before. And we are going to do whatever we can to try to make this, you know, adapt to this as much as we can. And it's going to be hard. And, I, you know, I really think that there's a lot said in that transparency of leadership to say, I don't know. We've never seen this before, but I'm here and we are going to work on this together and we are open to suggestions. Um, I really appreciate the communication and the transparency. Yeah, I would. Um, one thing I would hit on is just all the self-care piece, because when change happens and so we had our new normal and now we're going back to normal, but normal is not normal. Right. All right. So now we're all anxious going to the grocery store, going back to a happy hour or whatever else. And that's going to take an enormous amount of energy. So being real with ourselves and what's going on, checking in with ourselves. And I, I, can't, I think it's a Dalai Lama that said it, like everyone should meditate 20 minutes. And if you're really busy, you should meditate for three hours a day. Um, but it's just like, if I have a busy day, I'm going to walk for two miles, not a mile. Like just really being real of like, hey, I need to, because my cup's being emptied way faster than I can fill it right now. I need to take time to fill it because if I'm going into a new situation or our old normal and my cup is empty, you're just running on fumes. And that's when we start suppressing emotions, getting unhealthy. We have those horrible interactions. And ultimately it's our families that suffer because we can put on a happy face in the public, but it's our families or at home life, or if you're single, your dog or whoever, or your us. Uh, your friends, those are the people that are going to suffer. So really filling yourself up, like Sarah said earlier, to make sure like, hey, in these situations, when anxiety's high, when there's change, or when you know, just check in with yourself. And if you notice just some uncharacteristic things, you really have to lean into exercise, nutrition, sleep, meditation, grounding, all those basics. And then you can really lean into uh, whatever you need to face. And I think you have to give yourself permission. I think it's so hard, again, you know, especially what I've seen in, you know, veterans turning into uh, entrepreneurs and starting their own businesses. Um, 
that they fall back into these routines um, of, well, you know, I have to do it all. And, you know, that leaves me zero time to actually take care of myself. Um, and that can be, I think, in my own experience, a hard obstacle to overcome of saying every day I'm going to choose my own self-worth and make time and carve that out and say, no, I am, and this is my boundary. I'm ending at five o'clock or whatever that is for you. And I am doing the things that Kim had just said. And you're going to start to see that payoff of this balancing, taking care of yourself in challenging, challenging situations. And then, you know, that's kind of what we've learned of, of this whole balance piece and feel a lot more healthy than we did when unfortunately we were both serving and, and putting our mental health, you know, really low priority. So. Well, thank you for that. I definitely don't want anyone running on fumes folks out there, you know, have that balance, have those boundaries. And as Zara mentioned, communicate, communicate, communicate. But folks, speaking of communication, how do folks reach either yourself, Kim or Sarah, and or Badges United Foundation? All right. We try to simplify it across the board. So it's Kim at BadgesUnitedFoundation.org. That's an email. Or it's Sarah, S-A-R-A, at BadgesUnitedFoundation.org. Or you can go to BadgesUnitedFoundation.org, and there's some contact forms. There's our treatment support fund and different things. Uh, on Facebook, it's Badgers United Foundation. Twitter, it's Badgers United. And then Instagram, it's Badgers United Foundation. So just try to streamline it across the board. If you look for us, uh, Google search will pop up all of our social media handles or website. That's wonderful. And we'll make sure to get all that information as part of the video, show notes, and, and notes in general. Uh, but uh, it's been a, such a pleasure to have you, to hear about the foundation, to see what you have done post-service uh, in the midst now, I, I, you know, in the midst of all your own challenges, right? Uh, which is just uh, amazing. And so I thank you for that, uh, taking the time with us today to share Badgers United Foundation, your mission, all the things that you're doing for the folks out there. Uh, and if you want to get a hold of the Leadership Void podcast, <coughs> the Leadership Void at gmail.com is where you'll send us uh, your request. If you want speakers, guests that you're interested in us having, we'll surely uh, curate that uh, communication and make sure that we address it. Or if you have any burning questions about leadership uh, that you are not getting answers to out there, send them to Vince and I, and we'll look at that. Uh, but once again, thank you for being with us this morning. It's been such a pleasure to listen to you. Thank you, Enrique and Vince, for having us. We really appreciate giving us the time and space to share what we do. Thank you. You are awesome. You guys are awesome. We love you both. And I personally do. I'm going to be <laughs> selfish <laughs> here. I, hey, I do too. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but also just wanted to, a couple other things going on for folks listening in. We have a couple things. One, we're trying to reach our 200 uh, subscriber. So go to our YouTube channel, The Leadership Void. Hit subscribe and you enter into a drawing to win this fabulous book, Standing O, the Salute Edition by Scott McGregor. And it's a signed copy. So it's a one-time edition. So please hit, hit us. Let us reach that 200 goal. Radio check is something else we do on the 1st and the 15th of the month at 17, uh, 1900 hours, which is 7 p.m. Eastern Standard. It's time for us to just connect with folks. If you're out there, want some self-care, some, some talk, some just just chill out, communicate. We are there at twice on a payday. 
And lastly, we are headed west to speak to another dynamic veteran running a nonprofit supporting veterans, first responders, and their families as well. So this is a twofer here. So look forward to seeing them next week. But for this week, we have the pleasure of having Kim and Sarah of Badges United Foundation. Thank you so much, ladies. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Leadership Board Podcast. If you have any topics you would like to discuss or you are dealing with leadership issues, be sure to write us at theleadershipvoid at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Until next time.